If you have your Bibles, your Bible apps, we want to look at Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs 29, I've been teaching a series the last several weeks called We Are Life Church. And I've been sharing with you our DNA, the specifics of, of who we are, how we're both similar and unique in relationship to other churches. And God has given us an assignment. He's put his stamp on, on this house, and he desires for us to be a certain way. And so I, I've shared with you our values, our mission. And then last week I gave you the first half, the first two components of our vision. And I'm sharing the second half of that today. Everybody ready? Lord. Is anybody in the house today? Is anybody ready? Okay. I just wanted to see if I was in the right place. I didn't want to share the vision of this house to the wrong people. Because we're a responsive church. Okay. It's not in the list, but we are a res responsive church. <laughs> Amen. Proverbs chapter 29. And don't put that up there until I ask for it. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18, uh, it reads, King James reads, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Everybody say, happy. happy. Say it again. Happy. happy, yeah. Happy is he. What do, what do we need so we don't perish? A vision. Yeah. New King James reads, uh, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Amen. Where there is no what? Revelation. I need something revealed to me. The living, or new living, new living translation, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. They run wild. So we need, you could say it, all three of these are, are good words. We need vision from God. We need revelation. We need divine guidance. And the end result will be, we'll, we'll stay on track. We'll be able to follow a certain pathway and not just go crazy, <laughs> not just be randomly living our lives and just whatever happens, we just kind of go with the punches and we're bouncing off of this and bouncing off of that. No, we have a clear direction. We're able to follow the Lord with precision and accuracy. And so I shared with you in the last service, Sunday, last Sunday's services, the first two components. Let me review that real quick. I said to you that we see Life Church as a great church, a great church where people walk closely with God, exercise their redemptive rights, and use their gifts to advance the kingdom. All right, so, so what, is a, what is a great church? This is not us seeking to be superior to other people or, or other churches. It's just what the Lord has given us to do, okay? And he has not uh, given us a, a mission or given us a vision that is of mediocrity, but rather of greatness. And so what makes the house great then? Well, you do. By, by doing what? Well, walking closely with God. So your, your, your part to play, and that starts with your personal relationship. When you will walk closely with God, that, that produces a church that is great. That's one of the key components, okay? Uh, obviously, you do the contrast. Everyone in the church is backslidden. 
<laughs> yeah, we're saved, but barely. <laughs> Hoping to scrape in by the skin of our teeth, slide in into heaven. <laughs> I heard the story, the testimony of one person who had a vision of heaven, and he said he was there, and he saw people coming in that were coming in. They had died, and, and he was there, and he, and he said this one guy, one guy showed up in heaven, and he dropped to his knees. He said, I made it, <laughs> and he, he was relieved. <laughs> And I thought, yikes, that's not really what I'm wanting to produce. People who are uncertain until they get there. Wow, I missed eternity in hell by that much. <laughs> how about we know because we walk closely with God. They exercise their redemptive rights. You know, how many know a lot of people come in here, and you may be one of them. You come in here for the first time or first little while. You don't even know what a redemptive right is, let alone how to walk in it. And so my goal is to teach you, <laughs> to reach you, then teach you. Uh, and so you can walk in the redemptive rights that God has given you in Christ. It will produce a, a victorious life, an abundant life. Amen. Our messages at times are dangerous to a defeated lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and people who use their gifts to advance the kingdom. God has placed within you gifts designed, created, distributed as an act of his will so that you can play an important role in his eternal plan. And so when you discover it and walk in it, think about that. Just that right there. If we only accomplish one part of our vision, holy smokes. <laughs> I mean, what an awesome place to be. I want to hang out with y'all. <laughs> Amen. And so secondly, then, we said the Lord is, has called us to be a growing church. A growing church that reaches thousands of people in the Boise area and beyond. A growing church. And of course, we all have a part to play in that growth. The Lord wants to use each and every one of us to reach out and to bring more people into the fold, so to speak, and to reach many, many more people. We're going to keep being that way. Uh, we're, we're not just starting today, but I tell you, even after all these years, the Lord keeps saying, reach more, reach more, reach more. You've got to grow, 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 grow. Yeah. We've got to plunder hell and populate heaven. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And so, uh, you have a role to play in that as well. Amen. And so, number, th number three, or the third component of our vision here today is that we are to be an influential church. An influential church. How many already figured that one out from last week? We won, two. You knew it was a vowel. <laughs> All right, an influential church. This is one that leads other ministries into evangelism and the move of the Holy Spirit. All right. Now let me let me talk about this for a few minutes. Uh, one of the key characteristics of this house is that we have a focus on both of these practices. All right, evangelism is something that is at our heart. Um, it's something we want to do. Uh, it's something we practice regularly in these Sunday morning services. Yeah. Uh, and that's going to continue. That'll happen in shortly. But I'm, I'm conscious even as I speak of those who are here today, even though I may not have met you, but I know you guys keep coming because the rest of the people in church are awesome. 
Uh, but I'm going to be sharing salvation with you, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll have an opportunity to be saved. If I fumbled the whole message, but I did that part right, uh, my lunch would taste good. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this is a place where we always have a focus on that. But, it's, uh, but then also, the other side is the moving of the Holy Spirit. See, what happens in our day, it's not uncommon for churches to gather, and they either don't uh, give any attention to either one of these. There's no evangelistic thrust, or there, and there's no move of the Spirit, Okay, here, here, here's what I mean by the first. No evangelistic emphasis. You cannot go to a service and know that you need to be saved outside of a direct revelation from God. And, and, and what do I mean by that? You can attend for weeks, months, even years. And all this we've heard firsthand testimony. People say, I didn't know I need to be saved. They just become cultural Christians. They learn the lingo, the language. They know how Christians act. They may sincerely have a desire for God or to do right, but no one ever confronts them directly with, have you been born again? When did you receive salvation? And, and because of that, people are left in limbo regarding the most important decision of their life. And we're just not going to do that here. We're not going to leave that component out. Say, well, people don't want to be confronted with that. Tough. I mean, no one has to say yes, but I'm going to, you know, I'll do everything I can in my power to convince you to say yes, because it's, it's for forever, it's eternity, all right? And that's why we have the, our outreach ministries going out and into all the places. It's because evangelism is a key component to who we are. It's not if we get around to it, it's the main thing, yeah? And, uh, and so the other side to that is not only, not only presenting the gospel in a compelling way on a consistent basis, uh, but also having a move of the Holy Spirit in our, in, our, in our midst. These things do not have to contradict one another, but like I said, some go way in, go, some ignore both. No move of the Spirit. It's just all head. It's just like a classroom, like go taking a math class, but, but it's about God. I don't want to be that, Okay. No, no, no evangelistic thrust and no move of the Holy Spirit. Some don't even know what that is. Uh, and others don't know how to manage it. D does that make sense? Um, uh, the things of God originate with him, and they do come through imperfect vessels. Perfect in its source and its origin, and then we deliver it with all of our personality and, you know, funkiness and whatever we got going. And God designed it that it would be that way, so it's going to work. It's going to work even if I say it. You know, the gospel will work coming out of your mouth, too. <laughs> say, but I got these. I know, he knew that, too. Yeah. And, and so, uh, having a move of the Spirit, you do that intentionally. Again, you have to be Spirit-filled yourself. But then... Uh, managing that is, is an important factor, and there are churches that are extremely evangelistic. They're awesome. People get saved, but they don't take them any further. There's no, there's, there's, there's no depth of revelation. There's no manifestation of the Spirit. They don't know what you talk about the anointing, and they'd say, well, what do you mean the anointing? You know, when, when God smacks you upside the head, and it's awesome. Huh? <laughs> 
Uh, they don't know about that. Or you can go in the other ditch and there's not really any emphasis on evangelism, meaning they don't give a second thought to the, to the person, sorry for spitting, uh, to, to, to the person who comes into church and it's their first time in church. They just kind of don't even process that, that, that they're present. I acknowledge you, you're present. If this is all weird to you, I get it. Stick around, something will happen inside of you. Come on. It did with me, it did with so many other people. Well, I don't understand. What are you guys doing lifting up your hands? I know, I get it. You're okay. You're okay with your hands in your pocket for now. <laughs> and the more God works in your life, they'll get lighter. <laughs> Before you know it, you'll say, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm acting like one of them. Well, you might as well try. You're already going to be classified with us when you walk out and people see you. <laughs> Let me get back to my point. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14, was talking about uh, handling the work of God and the move of the Spirit in a proper way and, and ha having things done in a right way. He ended that whole discussion in, in verse 40. He said, let all things be done decently and in order. So we, you, to be spiritual, you don't have to be spooky, right? You can have a move of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit. You can have utterance gifts like tongues, interpretation, prophecy. You can have all these things in a way that's, that's organized, if you will, that is presentable in a right way. In fact, uh, one of my goals is that we be both powerful and normal, that we have the, the move of the Spirit of God, but we're also relatable. We're not like off in the ozone, and we can't even have a conversation with anyone, you know, without going off in the Spirit somewhere. No, you can be both powerful and relatable to people around us in our community. Is everybody with me today? See, there's a difference in what you personally enjoy and experience and your consciousness of the benefit and edification of others. Uh, for example, if someone were a worship leader, how many know they could stand up on our stage and just get lost in the spirit and, and they could just go off into heavenly things? And, and how many know that's not a worship leader, that's a worshiper? The worship leader is conscious of, the, of what's happening out here. Right? When we have this mentality, we're not just here for personal gain, we're here for the edification of the whole. And so anyway, the, he, he said, let all things be done decently and in order. He didn't say, let all things be not done in case it's not decent and in order. And that's the extreme people fall into. Well, we don't want to be like, and they'll give some extreme example of someone who's totally out of control. We don't want to be like that. So what? You're going to remove the Holy Spirit from your, your services. And that's the, that's the other extreme. He didn't say, don't let it be done. Let it be done. Just do it in the right way. Uh, but I understand this, that there are, there are those, there are pastors that I know, and I think their, their desire is, is, is right. They have a heart to, to grow the kingdom of God. But they have, they have this philosophy that all spiritual gifts, you know, especially when it comes to, you know, speaking in tongues and that kind of stuff, the spirit-filled life, all that is private in your own home, never to be used in a public gathering. And one of the problems with that is, is they, they, they skip the next generation. Meaning, if, if, the, if the leaders 
know about these, these matters and enjoy the benefits of them on a personal level, but do not model this, this, this type of lifestyle and the gifts of the Spirit in front of a church, is you will have a whole generation that doesn't know anything about it because they won't experience it. We have to show people what this means. Yeah? And a great man of God years ago, he, not too many years ago, just a few de- couple decades ago, the Lord began to speak to him about having meetings where there was an emphasis on the move of the Spirit. He said, if you do not teach them and show this to them, there will be a whole generation that loses this. You'll go on and people will just, I mean, everyone will be, I don't know how to say this in a nice way. I mean it in a nice way, but everyone will be, I don't know, ultra-denominational in the sense of, maybe that wasn't a nice way to say it. I'm trying not to put anyone down. But no move of the Spirit. No manifestation of God. No one gets healed. There's no prophecy. There's no voice from heaven. There's no experiences with God. The book of Acts is nothing except for maybe salvation. And so... We think there's a balance. Extremely powerful and extremely normal, relatable. This word decently can mean this. Do all things decently and in order. Decently can mean in good taste, in an attractive way. Okay? This is how we want to present the Lord. In good taste. He's perfect. We're not. But we have the opportunity to present him in a weird way in a spooky way, in a non-powerful, where it's just so religious and stiff way. We want to present him accurately, but we can do this in good taste, in an attractive way. Do you see that? We can present the Lord in an unattractive way. I mean, he is attractive as the day is long. Meaning, if you could see him and understand him personally, you will want to attract. You will be drawn to him. But sometimes the way he is presented on earth, it's like, eh. And we want to do everything we can to avoid that. Yeah? Even in the move, with the move of the Spirit, someone said, oh, I re- see, we heard that testimony earlier. I got baptized in water, then I got baptized in the Spirit. That means they spoke in tongues. But how many know you should, be, you should be conscious of people who are around you when you do that? Depending on the, the type of service you're in, you, people, if they're just self-minded, they blow everyone else away. And people that, you know, the person sitting next to you or behind you or in front of you, it's the first time they've ever been in church. They took convincing for months from someone else to come. And the first thing they hear is someone <laughs> going off. And they're like, oh, what did I get into here? What? Did I just join a cult? (laughs) What are they talking about? So there's a wrong way. But then I've noticed this. When the Lord uses me, those are some of the gifts he used me in in public is tongues and interpretation. When when I'm used like that on a Sunday morning, I'd say probably 99% of the time, people get saved after it. Almost like that doesn't even make any sense. You did that, and then people wanted to get saved? Yeah, pretty awesome, isn't it? When things are done in a right way, handled in a proper way, there is a draw to God. They're not repelling. They're very attractive. And this is, this is one of those things that uh, I know manifestations of the Spirit of God are always, they can be new to many people. 
But if you're a believer, I think even if you're an unbeliever, it's attractive. If you're a believer, it always will bear witness with you inside. Even if it's new to you up here. So I don't understand this, man. What are they doing here? Did they just push that person down? <laughs> did, someone, did someone trip? Why did that person fall? You know, and you got the, well, what's going on there? But you look inside and say, something's right about this. Something is right about this. I can't explain it, but I like it. Hey, Amen. And then your hand starts going up. Praise God. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Be followers of me, as I also am of Christ. Notice, notice what he didn't say. Follow Christ. That seems like it'd be safer, wouldn't it? <laughs> Just follow Jesus. We wouldn't argue with that. We wouldn't say that's wrong. But he, Paul said, follow me as I am a follower of Christ. Why follow you, Paul? You're an imperfect example. True. And this was God's design. That he would take one person and they would have an experience with him. And they would have a relationship with God personally. They would walk with God's, God and others would look at them and say, that's how you do it. Oh, I see. And they would model their life. I, again, I say that's dangerous. It is because no one's going to be perfect in their following of Christ. But yet the Lord still chose to use that method. And he has chosen to use us in this way. To where our, our manner of doing church and life and ministry and reaching out and, and, and serving God and being evangelistic and spirit-filled at the same time would create, an, uh, would create a model for other people to follow. Everybody okay? Yeah. Now let me tell you about something the Lord said uh, to me. This has happened on multiple occasions in different ways. Let me give you uh, two highlights. One of them was a few years ago. I don't recall exactly. A hand, few handful of years ago. One of our services, Wednesday night believers meetings. Uh, we were getting ready to finish the service, what I thought we were. I came up, stood here to close the service. So I'm praying. I said, let's pray. I think we're done. That kind of thing. I pray. I closed my eyes and started to pray, and the Spirit of God just just fell in the place. Holy hush washed over the crowd. We were all in awe of His presence. And as I stood there, I knew uh, that the Lord <laughs> had invaded this place in a very real way. And He spoke to me, and which I shared in that service that night. And He said to me, "You're you are the leader of the pack." And that might seem real simple. But I, I, it was very clear and direct, and at the same time, I knew what he was referring to. And it has to do with this element of our church being leaders, being influential in the kingdom of God, and I knew we were to be out in front. I didn't sign up for that. I didn't volunteer. I didn't say, Lord, put us out in front. No, I'd be happy to be in the back as long as we're in. But he said that. And then I recalled that a few years before that, I had received a word from the Lord through another man of God, a very trusted man of God. In one of our services, it was live. There were, I imagine some of you were present in that service. But 
he said to me, this is a, a minister who sometimes prophesies by way of sight, seeing things, by vision. And he said to me that you are like the engine that will, uh, for a lot of other churches, that will follow. We're like the engine. Think of the, the lead car in the train that many others will follow. He said, uh, he said to me, they're, they're going to start copying you. I don't know if you've ever had, think about that, but it's like, yikes, we better start doing things better. <laughs> you know, there's a smudge on your paper and you just made a thousand copies on the photocopier. <laughs> Man, I wish I would have checked that first one. <laughs> he said, they're going to start copying you. He even said, elderly pastors will come and, 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 and seek advice. Because you are paving the way for others to do like you do. And they will see that what you are doing is working, that it is bearing fruit, it is being effective, and, and, and they will begin to do those same things. And I recognize that the Lord planned to use us this way. And he has already begun using us to influence other churches for effective ministry. And in particular, say, well, in what way? I believe he wants other churches to be both evangelistic and spirit-filled. And how, let's say another way, have a move and manifestation, the gifts of the spirit, the power of God operating in their midst. There should not be Christians who don't know the power of God who do not have firsthand experience with, that, uh, with the Lord that they can share with other people. Praise God. And so he calls us, we see ourselves as an influential church. Let me give you the last one then. Number four is a reproducing church. He wants us and we see ourselves influ or reproducing ourselves and others. This is a church that trains and sends ministers to create like-minded churches around the world. We train them and we send them. We equip them, get them ready, show them how it's done, and send them out. The word uh, reproduce means to make a copy, representation, duplicate, or close imitation of. We want to make more of us. I don't mean we want people to have the same carpet. Or the, I'm not talking about some of those natural things, but I'm talking about the spiritual elements, the things that drive us. The Lord wants us to reproduce. We want to have more of us. We want kids. But not just any kids. We want some that look like us. Yeah. These are ministries that carry our values. They are also strong in the word and the spirit. They are winning the loss. They're bringing the power of God. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18 reads this way. Paul wrote, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Notice, God has set, God sets members in the body you remember, I'm a member. He sets us in the body as he pleased. So according to God's good pleasure, he sets people in the body, in the right place, 
where they can function at their highest and at their best, when they are set in the body in a certain way to perform certain functions, he's pleased with that. Amen. He is pleased with us. Did you know that? You guys are getting quiet on me. Why don't you say this with me, whether you believe it or not. No, say, say it from your heart. Say, I know that he's pleased with us. Say, I know the Lord is pleased with me. Some struggle, some struggle to say that one. The Lord is pleased with me. He is. Did you know uh, that the, the, one of the, well, the main reason the Lord can be pleased with you is because by way of the new birth or salvation, he made you acceptable to himself. This is acceptance on a God level. You are acceptable to him. You read that in the first chapter of Ephesians. He made you accepted in the beloved, in Jesus, right? He made you acceptable on a God level of acceptance. I don't mean he's putting up with you. I don't mean he rolls his eyes every time he sees you and says, oh, here they come, but yeah, I guess we accepted them. <laughs> I mean he created us in Christ on such a, with such a high standard and quality that we are acceptable by heaven's standards. I'm not saying acceptable by comparison with the worst in the world. Well, yeah, at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. No, we're talking acceptable by God's standards. This is the way he created us, or we could say recreated us. I imagine we've all seen a house that uh, was really, really run down, broken, fallen apart. You looked at it and thought, ah, I want to blow that thing up. Maybe that's just the man in me, I think. <laughs> Sometimes we drive around and we see like old barns and she thinks, oh, how cute. <laughs> right? And I think, that would be so cool to blow that up. <laughs> Boom! Yes! And cleared out a fresh spot for a new one. But okay, let me get back to my. We've seen a house that is, and you think, uh, you think, oh, I'd never live there. Oh, that would be the last place in the world I'd want to live. But then there are people with skills, remodelers and so forth, that can take a really run down house, really, and, and they can replace this and fix this and tighten it up, and, and, and you could come back in a, in a couple of months and say, that's the same house? That is beautiful. That is amazing. Can I live there? <laughs> I mean, and think about it. If, if that were the case with natural buildings and structures, I want you to know, spiritually speaking, that's what the Lord has done times infinity, is he has taken someone is like, I don't know if I want to live there. And he made us brand spanking new. It's called being a new creation in Christ. And he looked at us and said, I want to move in. That is acceptable to me. That is God level acceptable. I'm going to move in, make that my home forever. And he meant forever. 
You are so attractive and good looking to him, so acceptable, so presentable in his sight by the blood of Jesus that he decided he wants to make you his permanent dwelling place, live in you forever. Praise God. And so this is the Lord setting us in a place and he's pleased. He is pleased with you. He is pleased with what you, with what you are. And and this is what he wants to reproduce. Did I read the verses to you? I read one. He's pleased. Here's a principle in the scriptures. Let me finish. Book of Genesis says this a bunch of times in the first chapter. Let me read one. Uh, Genesis 1.11, then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit, the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. Here's the principle. The seed is in it, and it produces according to its kind. He said that with multiple aspects of creation. In other words, God didn't want to make all the people. He didn't want to make all the plants and trees. He didn't want to make all the animals. He wanted to get it started, and he wanted them to make more. Yeah? He wanted them to take what he had given them and reproduce. On a spiritual level, this principle is also the case. He will create something, and that within itself, the seed within that thing, has the ability to create more of itself. Not everything is firsthand from God. Like I said, he wants to give you an experience, and your experience will result in many people experiencing God. I was reading the testimony recently from someone, one of our services. They got a woman who got healed of cancer. Serious business. She got healed of cancer and then got right with God. And all of her family and extended family got saved too. And they didn't all get healed of cancer, just she did. What happened in one had a ripple effect. And many came into the kingdom of God. This is one of the ways the Lord wants to use us. He wants to move so mightily and powerfully in our midst and in this house that it is an explosion for him. And the ripple effect is many, many people also experience that same power. Praise God. And so we're called to model this. We're called to be the example. We're doing life, we're doing church, we're doing relationships with each other, we're doing outreach, we're doing evangelism, we're, we are doing uh, prayer, we're doing worship. We're doing the things that we do knowing that it's genuine, it's real, it's good all by itself, but also that it is a model for others to follow. And the Lord wants us to make more. He raised up this church for a reason. He wants our church to make more churches. Yeah. yeah. But not just any old church. A certain kind of a certain flavor for a certain reason. He wants us to be an example that will reproduce in the world. And I could see the wisdom of God and how he directed me to have a Bible college. And it's training up men and women. Some of them are called to full-time ministry. And I can see the wisdom of God. He, he knew this would happen. And this still, much of this lies before us. And we'll start seeing it happen. We'll start seeing people answer the call of God and creating churches that are like this. Amen.
I remember listening to a, a leader of a large ministry many years ago, and they, what they said was, they said, when people come to, they, they had a, a school, Bible college, uh, when, they said, when people come to our Bible college, and then later they establish their own ministries, they said, I can go visit their ministries and tell you which church they attended while they were in college. Because without them specifically trying to duplicate it, you know, with that much intention, they just do. It's been said that you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. And the Lord wants us to be that so that this comes out and is manifest around the world. Amen? I tell you, uh, the Lord wants uh, you to be a part of this, all of us together. It's the reason uh, we're doing some of the things we're doing. Um, it's the reason we have the Connect Lunch happening today. And uh, that's the model. That's, the, that's who we are that needs to be reproduced. So we're not just on the sidelines observing, but we are a part of what God is doing. Amen. And in this, in, the, in this context, I want you to know that we are committed to helping you walk in your gifts and fulfill God's plan for your life. This is not just about supporting a vision I have. The Lord works this way. He gives something to, another, to an individual for it to have an, have an outreaching effect so that you will follow his specific tailor-made plan for your life. You will use your gifts. You will follow his plan for your life. That is a good-looking church. Amen. As opposed to the place where everyone goes for just what they can get out of it, doing their duty, showing up on occasion. I don't really want to go to that church. Those aren't, I mean, the scripture says, if you walk with the wise, you'll be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Certain people I want to hang around with. Amen. And it's those who, who take seriously the call of God and recognize that he has a plan and purpose for us. Amen. Father, we thank you today for working in our hearts, for moving in this house.